back, everyone, to the Get Shit Done podcast. It's yours truly, Julie Jones, with the Adventures of Julie Jones. And boy, do we have an adventure today. (laughs) This is take two of an amazing interview that I did once before. And of course, sometimes we get too reliant on technology. And the first time, it did not record, which was such a bummer. However, my guest and I today are really bringing it. We're bringing the energy. We're bringing the fun. And I'm super excited to have my guest, Charlie Palumbo. Welcome to the show. Take two. <laughs> Take two with you is amazing. So I'm glad to be here, Julie. Thank you. Uh, well, I'm so glad to have you here. And listen, You know, I just really appreciate you saying, hey, it's okay. Like we get a take two, we get to spend more time together. And, you know, who knows what kind of brilliance will come out of our mouths today. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we're going to get started with you because I'm really super excited. Uh, Again, we met through networking, which is one of my favorite avenues to meet people. We had a really great connection because some of our things in our background But most importantly, you know, I love who you are and what you do. So let's get started with you. Like, you know, just talk a little bit about who you are. My standard questions, you know, what what it is that makes you unique and what you bring to the party. So the floor once again is yours, Charlie. All right. Well, thank you for having me back. (laughs) I I love having conversations with you. So really, truly a pleasure to be back. Um, So me, I, I like to tell people that Um, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm an author, uh, I'm a spiritual seeker and sunset chaser, sunrise chaser, um, keynote speaker, presenter. Um, I just really feel like I'm a creator of my life and um, just getting out there and serving others in any way I can. Well, and I love the creator. And I know that this came up the last time because what I love about how you start off this podcast is that you talk about like who you truly are, like the roles you play, what's most important to you, because so many people often start off with defining what they do. And we're so much more than what we do. And you got to tell me, because I, 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 you know, like we, we've talked about this, but the sunset chaser. Like talk about like where that started because I think it's such a unique um, uh, hobby, I guess, if you want to say, or like lifelong mission, really, because I have never, ever, ever heard anybody say that they're a sunset chaser. Well, I just love a good sunset. I I love a good sunrise too. So I will get up for sunrise, but um, probably in the last like four or five years, it's just been anywhere I've gone. I just really want to see sunset. There's something just magical about that time for me. And I'm new to Arizona the last two years. And I will say Arizona just has these amazing, amazing skies. Um, and they're just painted with all these colors all the time. And it doesn't matter if it's spring or fall or summer. It's just like the sky's magic here. Um, and I know we talked a little bit about this, but I do like when my husband asked me, why are you so obsessed with sunset and sunrise? And other than they're beautiful, right? For me, it's like this transitional moment where beginning um, is starting and the ending is starting, but it's beginning. And it's like, there's this just moment where 
there's just so much possibility. And I love feeling that moment because it's like, you still have the whole evening or you still have the whole morning, um, no matter where you are or what point you are in your life. It's just like, there's this moment of transition for you to be in um, with all this unknown potential. Well, and I love that because if you think about, you know, sometimes, you know, like the sunrise, it's the the birth, the start of a new day. Yep. And then as you're talking about the sunset, as you're transitioning, and that's always like a really good time when you see that beauty. Like for, for me, a couple of things happen. I usually say thank you to God, you know, and say thank you for another amazing day and for the beauty that I get to experience. Again, because, you know, my platform, there is no promise of tomorrow. So if that was it, like I'm just in gratitude that it was such an amazing day. And then I'm always excited to see another sunrise, right? Like, I mean, that is it for, for all of us is that whole, like, how do you look at things differently when you take even some something that people, most people could take for granted and you look at it with a new different light? Well, and I love what you're saying about ending the day in gratitude and that just being the moment where you center in and you just are like grateful, like you're just thankful, like, wow, it's been a day, but I can look up at the sky and doesn't matter what happened in my day, I can be thankful for the sunset. So just such a great centering moment to be mindful and present in. It is. Well, and we're in the spring of the year, Charlie, you know, as we're recording this. And, you know, one of the things that I just recently did this past week on Sunday, my husband asked if I wanted to take a ride up to Saguaro Lake because the spring flowers right now, we've had an excess amount of rain. The flowers are blooming and they're absolutely stunning. Again, like just something to be in gratitude for. Well, it was for the first time in all the years that I've lived here that I saw hundreds of wild horses, got out of the car, was able to get pretty close to them, you know, and just to be in that moment and watch the beauty all around me. And I I mean, I was just so grateful for Sunday to have that experience. And again, it's a reminder and it just reminds me so much of like what you do to, to help people even just to be like to, to really appreciate everything that we've been given. Well, I have to say that I also, well, took several hikes in the last few days. Um, my girlfriend who's Arizona native, she's like, it's full bloom. We've got to get on the trail. And so Friday we actually took, um, to the trails at Usuri and we walked around and just stopped and smelled the flowers. And there's just so many yellow and purple. And I told her, I was like halfway into the hike. I just felt my whole self like drop in, you know, that feeling where you get and you're just like, everything's right. Like it, it doesn't matter really what's going on. It's just like everything just is right. And this last year in Arizona, I mean, I know men like to go golfing as they're kind of like work networking. I really found hiking with women to be this like solace in this place of work for me where I do some great brainstorming and I get to like center in. So you get to have these amazing talks about business and all this kind of stuff, but then you're like feeling really like, like fired up by the end of it. And so I understand the full bloom right now. It's so beautiful here in the desert. Well, it is. And and that's a really valid point because I think what it does, 
is that it appeals to a lot of our senses, right? Like we're doing something physically good for ourselves. We're able to see and sense like all the beauty around us. And sometimes when you're not worried so much, like being in your work office or have, you know, all those things that like race in your mind to be present in the moment, I think the conversations that we have with each other are are much more heart to heart because you're really truly connecting because you're connecting with yourself, you're connecting with nature and you're connecting with who you're hiking with. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm the hiking right now. Beautiful. <laughs> All right. Well then that's, that's a good point to know because since we're both in Arizona, we're going to have to make it a point to do some hiking yes. and connecting, right? Yes. The best brainstorming in the mountains. <laughs> that's right. Cause you said you've only been here now a short amount of time. So you relocated here and you know, what was maybe the catalyst that brought you here to Arizona and what were you doing previous to, you know, being this amazing human being? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, so the catalyst really was um, my husband and I have been coming out here to visit in-laws for the last few years. They retired out here and we always have loved it. And um, during COVID when life, like the whole idea of this white picket fence and my kids growing up in the same neighborhood and the same school and all this just kind of got completely disrupted. Um, we thought, well, if there was ever a time and season where we could like take almost teenagers, um, one teenager, one almost teenager out of school and move them, that that would be it. Cause their life was like just so disrupted already. And so we, we took the risk. It was a great time to sell our home there and it's harder to buy on this side, but we did it. We stuck in there. Like we rallied and we were like, we're going to get this. It took like 10 offers, but we got there. Um, it just, sometimes you have to have tenacity. Um, but we got over here and my job was with Amazon. I was working at Amazon and, um, it was easy for me because I was already like a remote worker even before COVID. So easy to kind of just ask for the permission to come and and move um, my work here and just keep doing what I was doing. So that was kind of the catalyst. It was just time for an adventure. And I know we've talked about my military experience. I think, um, you know, deep in my soul, I may be a little bit of a gypsy. It's hard to stay still after being in the military. Like there's always this part of me that wants to travel and wants to explore and like, okay, not really used to having roots anywhere. So um, it just was the right season. Well, and I, and I love, I love that because that's what I think resonates with me. Right. So I was a police officer as we've talked about. So same kind of structured background. And I find it very interesting that, you know, I enforce rules, but myself, I'm a rule breaker, right? (laughs) I don't believe that there are rules and I have that sense of spirit and that sense of adventure. And like, kudos to you because I, not only for yourselves, but the impact that it made on your, your children, Uh right. So that they see that sometimes life is about taking risk and not always just settling for what you currently have, if it's not making you happy because you were in Virginia, correct. And then you moved to Arizona and how long had you been in Virginia? Oh, we had been in Virginia for some time. I sense my youngest was like one and he was 14 when we moved out here. So almost 14 years. Now we had been in different areas in Virginia. So we had moved around Virginia a little bit, but I definitely, it's, um, as you 
get older, um, it does become like a little bit more challenging to like just up and like leave your whole network, your whole life. I had really built a solid network and career in Virginia, um, not with Amazon so much as when I was working state government and for all the veteran advocacy. So that that did like take some like, oh, you know, there was a little bit of like, oh, <laughs> but at the end of the day, you kind of have to be like, like you said, looking at like, okay, there's risk to take and we do love the area and we're not married to Virginia. So let's just do it. Let's see what happens. <laughs> see where we I, land. <laughs> I have to ask. So do you come from a military background? And if not, did your parents move around a lot? Because this is going to lead to my next point. <laughs> so I did not come from military background. I did have an uncle in service, but he was in the same place by the time I was born my whole entire life. So that did not influence Um, I know my grandfather served, but, um, not military, like, and (laughs) my parents did, um, move us around a lot. They were entrepreneurs, not military, but entrepreneurial. And they were always living, uh, you know, their dreams. And it taught me a lot about being very flexible. And I learned very early in life how to kind of just like adapt, um, and navigate new situations. So not military, but entrepreneurial. And we did move a lot. So. Well, that's, I mean, because the reason I ask is that my noisy coworker has decided like, (laughs) Hey, it's great to like pipe into this conversation as well. The reason I ask is that because my parents were very cut and dry. They bought a house when they first got married. They didn't leave that house until they retired and they sold it. And then there was me. (laughs) Like, you know, I went away to college. I moved across country to live here. I mean, I've done a lot of that adventurous spirit. So it's always very, you know, interesting to find out like, what is your journey? And having parents that were entrepreneurial, again, sometimes as kids growing up, we don't always appreciate that because it's like, all right, we've got to make new friends again. You know, we need to do this. We need to do that. Yet it did teach you some life lessons. Yeah. And, um, I know, you know, that I'm in the process of writing a book that's very, it's a memoir and it's, um, interesting to look back and be able to interpret that and, and pretty much the way you just said it versus the way I felt about it when like we were moving again and I had to leave my friends yet again. And like, oh my gosh, we're on this new journey again. And, um, you know, I can appreciate it so much more now. And I see the thread that's kind of become the fabric of who I am and what that did teach me and um, my adaptability and just even the ability to go in the military, like, because I moved all the time and I lived in these communal spaces, like it was kind of an easier like way of being for me than maybe a lot of people. Um, but to your point about the structure and wanting to like buy a house and stay there every, like my whole life, that's kind of what I was trying to create in Virginia. And it just like the universe never, never was like, no, that's not really you. It does. It's never going to feed your soul the way you think it is. It sounds nice, um, but it's not your path. So I've kind of accepted that. Which is, you know, like a very unique perspective because 
there are so many people who would look at their past history, right? And we all have. And, you know, they always say that hindsight's twenty twenty, And how you even look at your past is an indicator. Because for some people, like for me, I look at, okay, it didn't happen to me. It happened for me yes. and made me to where I am today. But a lot of people, you know, and it's, it's neither here nor there. It's neither right or wrong, but a lot of people go victim. Okay. Well, like that's what happened to me. So now this is why I have the life that I do because, you know, my parents moved me around like a million times. Right. You know? And so it gets all in perspective. And so kudos to you, kudos to you. And I'm excited for your memoir. When do you expect your memoir to be out? Like what's your, what's your timeline? So I'm like super excited about it. I got back the developmental edit and I know it's going to sound strange, but there's like 40 pages of like thoughts. So that's a lot, but it was really, really exciting because the editor like got it and she, the way she helped me, like, um, it's more about structure, right? Like, cause I am this free spirit. And I think I've always looked for, I've needed other people to help with the structure side so that I can like stay and like, you know, uh, have the audience understand it more. And and that's what she said. Like, it's very cathartic and people are going to genuinely be with you. Like you're like the girlfriend with the coffee and like, they're going to get in it cause you're super vulnerable in the story. Story. It was just like restructuring how some of the chapters laid out. But what was really great was that I had test readers prior to that. And some of the things that they had shared with me that would make the story like, like where they were missing things or where they like felt lost in my story. It's like the information she gave is actually like answering what they were saying they needed in my story. So um, she's just provided like an amazing amount of really, really good feedback that I'm like so thrilled with. Um, Ton of work for me. Like I started on Monday and I like got in and I was like, wow, like this is still a ways away. But um, I want to do it right because it really is for me... um, an invitation to bring hope to other people that they can retell their story in a way maybe they weren't able to tell it before. To your point, like out of the trauma, out of the victim and into the healing and into the like how all of that is going to be the gold in their life or be what they are able to teach others. Um, and, And that's been the process for me. It's really brought me freedom and joy on the other side. And so... I'm really invested in like getting this out into the world. Um, but I think June is my aggressive get shit done date. And then <laughs> July or August is probably more like when I work with vendors and get it all together. And that's really how it's going to be. But yeah, like June is that like get shit done date, but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. And well, because, you know, like it's so hard to believe. And, you know, so many people talk about this, but as we're recording this, it's March 15th. Right, like it's almost the first quarter of the year is almost done, and like I feel like I blinked, and it's gone. And I know our parents used to say that my parents, at least, and my grandparents, just you wait until the older you get, the faster (laughs) time's gonna go. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And now I'm like, holy cow! Once again, my parents were right. (laughs) Yes. Well, even like so, we just had daylight savings, and you know, as Arizonans, we don't do that. And so it has not even been in my head that Sunday was daylight savings. And then I missed a meeting with someone in California because I had it 
scheduled for, and I was like, where did daylight savings come from? Are we at daylight savings? When did this happen to me? Um, so I hear you like, it just has flown by. It does. Um, and so, yeah, I have my, my one date, but then I have, you know, my backup date. <laughs> so Plan B, plan B. <laughs> well, that's not, this isn't your first book because I know you've written another book, right? So you have yeah. another book out there and, and what's the name of it? The Face of a Memory. And it's really about um, sharing the human side of the military with others. And so, uh, oh, it came out like, I guess I wrote that almost 10, 11, 12 years ago now. And um, I was deeply... I guess, like troubled or deeply moved at the same time um, because I, I read some work by a man named Dr. Edward Tick who really talks about reintegration of military into the community after war. Specifically, he worked a lot with Vietnam veterans and his work was very life-changing for me. And what I saw then, and I mean, I would say we're still dealing with presently, is that the reintegration of military back into civilian community after a war, especially like when you've been at war a long time, um, how that like comes into our communities and how we need to be ready for that and what services and how we can really support that. And they, and they just talk a lot about tribal and warriors and how warriors are integrated and, and then how we just don't have the similar approach to reintegration. And so my hope in writing that book was that I like wrote short vignettes about relationships I had in the military to hopefully have people identify that there are humans behind the organization. And maybe you'll relate to this a little bit, but I think in general, people can look at the military or even maybe the police or who, whoever and say it's an institution and you don't have that human side. But if you take them into the relationships and the, the trauma and the experiences the people behind the institution are having, you can't just turn away and you can't just ignore. And, and that's how I feel about the military. You can't just say, thank you for your service and that be it because there's so much more humanity behind the military and what's being lost and what people are grieving. And like, I mean, I fell in love in the military. Like well, there's real emotions that happen with the people behind this. And, and we I somehow have been able to like put it over there because it's an institution. And so the hope of, through that book was really to advocate for mental health and, and the realization that there's humans behind organizations. Well, and. I love you sharing that. And the name of the book again, because we'll make sure we have it in the show notes. Yeah, it's and I'm gonna I'm gonna share it with you because it's the face of a memory and then it's emerging through poetic voice. Okay, perfect. Um, so we can put that in because what you just said speaks volumes to me because I know that, you know, when I was in law enforcement, first of all, I I grew up with this belief. Like my father used to say to me, if you're gonna cry, I'm gonna give you something to cry about, right? <laughs> and so I truly saw crying as a sign of weakness and I would not show my emotions. I would not cry as much as I could help it. So it's no surprise to me that I decided, you know, to go into law enforcement because you have to be very stoic, right? And there is no emotion shown. 
And as much as like my, my deep seated, like, you know, um, purpose in life is to really help and serve people. I thought I could do it in law enforcement and I could to a certain extent, but there was so much that I just had to shut down about myself. And there, you're right. There is a human being behind that because the one thing that I I realized is that when I was going to funerals of loved ones or, or doing different, you know, like things and, I wasn't crying at that point and it was, it was upsetting, but like I was, you know, holding myself back. I'm like, okay, maybe I need to reevaluate my, mm-hmm. my life career. Cause this wasn't really who I was, but it, it's such a, it makes such a strong point to what you're talking about that we're still all human beings. And, you know, a lot of times in the military law enforcement, whatever it is, you are faced with some of the most unthinkable things that people like have no idea. And, and don't know how they would respond. And yet a lot of times they'll sit as like Monday morning quarterbacks, you know, and, you know, pass judgment on things. And it's, we're still all human beings, human beings having a human experience. So I'm really actually very excited to read your book. Yeah. And uh, you just touched on something that I am in the midst of. Um, I am developing a workshop called the Joy Quotient. <laughs> And the reason, like what just, um, like what came to me as you were talking is that that stoic and that I'll give you something to cry about mentality. And I don't know if my parents ever said that to me, but I definitely, you know, have been told in the military, if they wanted you to have emotions, they would have put them in your sea bag, you know, the bag you get when you come in. And so there was definitely no room and I'm, I'm a sensitive soul. Like I'm this really sensitive person, but I've always tried to be super scrappy. And like, that's how I've managed to get through a lot of my experiences. Like you just show up and you just fight for it. Like I'm a fighter, like, oh, I'm going to get this done. And then as I like wrote this book and I've been in this like soul quest and this like really coming to like my spiritual practice and center and and who I am um in this part of my life I'm I'm realizing that you can't hold the emotions out and experience that joy in life at the same time mm-hmm. and my whole life I've been chasing joy but simultaneously I've been numbing and coping and suppressing all the trauma and all the bad emotions that I had um, or the uncontrollable emotions that I had as a, as a woman, like, Oh, don't have those. Like, Oh, I don't want that around here. And so it's really about like, I'm just like on this mission to have people stop talking about bad and good emotions. Like, let's just sit in our emotions so we can experience the pain. But wow, on the other side of that is so much joy once you broke through it. Like, it's just indescribable, but we're just so busy being stoic or hiding from it or being told all that is not acceptable. And um, I am just coming to a season in my life where I want to really spread more joy. (laughs) I love it. And it sounds like an amazing, an amazing workshop that, you know, will be available because I'm a big believer and like, you really do have to go through the range of emotions, you know, like when, when, you know, you're angry or you're in pain, like sit with it so that you can truly experience what it's like to be in joy and happiness like we as human beings have this range of emotions and there's a reason that we were given this range of emotions and to experience all of it. So 
Yeah. And I've been listening to a coach talk about it and he gets such a good metaphor. It's like, if you touch a hot stove, like your hand's going to experience the pain. So you don't do it again. Like, but that's what our emotions are here for too, right? To tell us something about what's going on. And it's like, I, that is so mind blowing for me because I never saw emotions as like a barometer for what is actually going on in my life. Um, and so using them as, as a tool to really show me where I'm at, um, is like, oh, well that's, oh, okay. Well, that's a new way of thinking about my emotions. <laughs> like they're good for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, I know that you've been doing a lot too for like veteran advocacy. You know, you touched upon that just briefly in our conversation. So kind of like maybe what's in the future, what's on the forefront? Like we're, cause you just got done with your, you're part of a class and training and some other things that are going on. So like, where do you see Charlie going here besides the book, like, and the joy workshop in the next six months? Yeah, I, you know, I don't, I, I'm always open to possibilities. So one of the things though, to the training point, um, I did get the, the privilege to spend a couple days in training with a group of, um, folks that for Arizona specifically for, um, military veterans and spouses, there's a program called Adapt Light, and it's a mindfulness evidence-based parenting um, program. And so it was so rewarding to be in a group of people who are really excited about um, helping parents um, really overcome some of the challenges. Well, they're opportunities, right? Like <laughs> my kids are always giving me opportunities to learn. Let me say that. Um, and, and just giving me, uh, like tools in my toolkit to really come back to present and being more mindful and approaching parenting mindfully. I mean, it's a chat, like it's, it's, it's work. It's going to take me practice myself cultivating a practice of that. Um, but so rewarding because I can just see, um, how much relief can come when one, you normalize what it feels like to be a parent. Like we all kind of go through a lot of these similar things with our children. Um, and then really coming and approaching it from a mindfulness, um, like way of thinking about it. And like, how can I be more present for my kid? How can I be, you know, here with them, um, and less reactionary and not all the time, but you know, I have it in my toolkit and I can, you know, actively work on it. So I'm really, I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about facilitating that. Um, and the group of folks that I'm working with are just amazing people too. So that's awesome. Well, we've talked about a lot, a lot more than I think the first episode, like we've gone all over the place. So it's been an amazing conversation. However, sometimes there's still things on people's heart that they want to express. So is there anything that is, we're kind of wrapping up the podcast that you want to leave the listeners with? Well, I think um, I'm just excited to have this opportunity to talk with you and to talk a little bit about joy and, you know, how we can all kind of reframe some of our experiences as invitations into new opportunities for ourselves and, and, and not necessarily getting so stuck that, um, we can't find new ways of, of being and new opportunities to see maybe truth we didn't see. Um, 
through through our conversations and our dialogue with other people. And so always a pleasure speaking with you because I feel like it opens me up to, oh, new ways of thinking and articulating <laughs> some of the things I do. Um, and always a good reminder to get shit done. So I feel like you inspire that in me every time I talk to you. So. <laughs> well, thank you. You know, it, it's one of those things because um, I, I've done this assessment and this assessment is called the working genius. And it's something new that I'm bringing into different companies, corporations, even individual coaching. But one of my working frustrations is tenacity. Like, you know, like, all right, okay, you, you know, you're, you're, it doesn't come as a surprise to me because I know myself so well. And so when I was part of this workshop training last week and people on the training saw the get shit done in my background, they're like, oh, well, you must be like strong in tenacity. And I'm like, see what you are maybe is a little bit of a challenge for you. You teach and you work on and you train other people because like, as you're teaching other people and showing people, it's like, you're telling your subconscious, okay, Julie, like, and I have, I have to be honest. Like I used to experience a lot of the shiny squirrel syndrome and like onto all these things. And I've gotten so much better with my focus and like following through and getting and getting my own shit done. So it's, it's pretty exciting. It's a pretty exciting place to be. (laughs) Well, I love that. And I'll have to follow up with you on that. Um, But I, as I've been, my mission's been to spread joy. It's like what you said, the universe gives you opportunity to practice (laughs) and to really have that school. Like, right. Not everything's joyful right now. It's like, Hey, are you going to choose joy in this moment? I'm like, ah, what did I sign up for? But but what you're saying is like becoming, being a student and learning from all those that you teach is just as important when you start uh, working in your genius zone. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Charlie, what's the best way for people to connect with you or get a hold of you? Um, I'm really easy on LinkedIn. That's um, Charlie Palumbo. And then um, I, I have an email address or an email, a website that they can go to. And I can give that to you because it's a little long. Okay, perfect. Yes, because we want to make sure we have it for the show notes so that that's just easy for people to to click on and be able to connect with you. You know, especially for people who are looking for some more joy in our lives. I always ask the final question, how are you getting shit done in your own life? But you've you've addressed that and you've talked about that throughout this podcast. So I'm really excited. I'm really excited to maybe hold your feet to the fire and check in and see how like our target is coming in June. (laughs) I love it. I need a good accountability buddy and a a reason to get there. So I love it. (laughs) Oh, well, Charlie, thank you again. And I really appreciate you taking the time for take two. But you know what? Our conversation was just as amazing as it was the first time. And I think we delved into even more this time. So again, I'm in such gratitude that you were here today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. All right. Well, this is Julie Jones signing off for another episode of the Get Shit Done podcast. As always, I appreciate each and every one of you listening in. Please, please, please share this out with other people who you know can benefit like and subscribe because that helps you know keep getting the word out there and as always have a productive get shit done kind of week i look forward to talking to you soon time is our most valuable asset and i certainly do appreciate yours thank you so much for listening to the get shit done podcast with me julie jones if this episode was helpful for you 
Please subscribe and give me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast. This goes a long way in helping others to find the show too. Are you ready? I mean, really ready to make the next step towards living your best life now? Then contact me at juliejones.biz to schedule your call with me. You can also find additional information on contacting me in the show notes. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode of the Get Shit Done podcast. In the meantime, be sure to live your life with purpose and passion.